So with the, what we're celebrating today and, and what we're recognizing, you know, really for all of us, um, we all um, have these periods in our life where we have a transition. We have seasons that change. We have things that change and, and become different in our life. And of course, it's so much more evident uh, with graduates. You know, they're going from what they've known to this, this whole phase of what now? What, what next? You know, we, we, the, the way that we try to in our culture, in our society is, is raise them up to kind of help guide them to figure out what they want to do for a profession or what skill set they want to adopt or, or whatever it may be. We kind of help guide them into making the best decision for that. And so, but it's always wondering what's next. What, what does life look like? What's next? And, and even if, we're, you know, for the, some of us who have graduated a long time ago, we still have parts in our life, seasons in our life that, that change, that we have a transition into. We're always wondering, what's next? What, 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 what's going to happen? What, what, what do we do? What do I do? And how do we, how do we approach this? And so that's why this morning we're going to look at uh, a group of men who had a very different graduation uh, when they reached this stage of, of their life, of a transition kind of going through, and they asked and probably thought the very same question, what's next? What, what do we do? You know, looking at the disciples that followed Jesus, that Jesus called into his ministry, you know, they were, they were young men who had a, a, a life of work. They, they had skill sets that they put to, to use, um, that God gave them, that God blessed them with, and they used them. No matter how mundane they may be, they were still blessed with these skill set. But then they were called to stop by Jesus and follow him. They were called to stop what they were doing, stop this profession, stop what you're doing, and, and to follow him. Thus beginning their journey of learning um, and, and, and gaining all these new experiences that God you know, bestowed upon them through the living word, that is Jesus. And so... It's just, it's just looking at how they've transitioned into this life into what's next. That was a big first transition for them. Is we're getting called to stop this one thing and go into to, to something else. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. And I pray as, as we open up into your scriptures and your word this morning, God, that you just open up our hearts and minds to what you're going to have to speak to us. For us to allow the Holy Spirit to come in to to just, just saturate everything about us, Lord, so that we can understand what you want for us, Lord, and, and how we can take that the simple thing of, of recognizing and celebrating graduates going into the next phase of their life, Lord. We also recognize that in ourselves, in stages of life that we're in. Maybe we're in the middle of a transition. We're going from one season to the next of our life. And maybe deep down, maybe we haven't said the words yet or admitted to them, but maybe we're wondering, what's next? What now? So, Lord, I pray you just put down all barriers. I pray that the people that are here and, and listening online or listening into it later, Father God, that they, they open themselves up to you, to your Holy Spirit, so that we can know what's next. We just thank you so much for this time we have together. We give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So these, these disciples, they spent three years following the Savior of the world, Right? Majority of the time, probably not knowing what in the world's going on or where we're going, right? They get called to stop what they're doing, and it's just that, that Jesus factor that just lured them in. Man, I, I, there's something about, i got to follow this man. They follow him, and then they're probably like, what well, now? Well, where are we going? What are we doing? You know? 
probably a lot of them are, are thinking, okay, he's the savior of the world. We're going to start immediately just, just radically, you know, changing the world. But then here's Jesus, you know, just casually going on his journey. Hey, we're going to go to a wedding feast. That doesn't sound like we're radically going to change and bring the kingdom of God to this earth, right? So they're always wondering what's next. So they begin this, this, this journey, right? They, they get called to do this. But in, and in this time period, man, they, they, they experience so much. And as you get to the end of this time they've had with Jesus, they, they witness a lot. They, they watch him die. They, they saw him resurrected and even got to spend some time with him even after that. And then they, got, they get to watch him ascend into heaven. And, and so now they're thinking at this moment, they, they see this, they, 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 they take all the experiences they've had, they see Jesus ascend into heaven and they're like, okay, now what? And, and, and this, this, um, this ascending into heaven uh, is not quite what we're used to seeing. Because you see, um, this transition that the disciples had, it was like they're going now in life without their training wheels. You know, and this is especially true for the graduates as we celebrate today. Now they're getting into this next phase in life without these, these so-called training wheels. It's a way that, that we look at these disciples and we look at how Jesus prepared them and, and got them ready for this next phase without him and we see that as a way for us to look at how we can get into our next season of life. You know, the, the disciples, they had to um, kind of wait for what was next. As we see this in Acts chapter 1, it says, After saying this, he is taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So this, this scripture kind of paints a good picture of the disciples are watching Jesus ascend into heaven with their very own eyes. And this is why this is different than what we've known in the past, you know, uh, different from the other recorded experiences of, of somebody ascending into heaven. You know, Jesus, just, he didn't just disappear, uh, he didn't get taken up into a whirlwind, like, kind of like Elijah. He rose up until a cloud kind of hit his view from the disciples that are watching him. And so you, you, can, you can imagine that they're watching, um, they're watching Jesus ascend into heaven, and they're just straining to just to wait, even after the, he's out of sight. They're just waiting just a little bit longer to see maybe they can catch another glimpse of his fleshly body being on this earth. They're just, just, just waiting. It's like watching a helium balloon. You let go. You just see how far can you see it float before it completely disappears. And then even you're still staring at it. Maybe you think you see a piece of it. And I'm sure that as the disciples were doing, the whole group's probably just dead silent. They're just in awe, right? And then finally, when they decide to, to look down, they see these two angels, these two white-robed men among them. And they kind of seem to interrupt uh, the disciples and kind of call them out a little bit. Because, right, verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So here's this moment. Jesus spoke to him right, right before this. He slowly ascends. They get to witness the whole thing up. And then now, they're like, okay, what's next? Well, 
this was the closest experience the disciples had to a graduation. This is the best they got to a graduation ceremony. You know, for the disciples, the past three years, uh, the past years of spending this close and with Jesus has been preparing them for a life without Jesus in, the, in a bodily form on this earth. That's what Jesus was prepping them for, preparing them for what is coming next. So the disciples had to take what they had learned and be able to apply it to this next phase in life, to take everything that, that Jesus had prepped them for. And we know from a lot of uh, uh, you know, communication and a lot of things that the disciples had may not have quite clicked with them, this, this all really happening, this all being a for real thing. But now it has with this moment. Now they're seeing all the stuff that Jesus has prepared them for is to help them in the next phase of life, to be out on their own. And so these graduates are very similar to that, right? Because what God has done for them, what God has done for all of us up until this point has been to prepare us for what's next. That's, that's the mentality we have to have. All of our experiences, all of our education, all of our people that we've come in contact with that God puts in our path, it's all to help us, you know, from this point to get us prepared for what's next. And that's what we've always prayed and hoped and, and tried to foster in each of our students, each of our kids, that everything they have learned in school, every experiences they've had, every friends that come across their way, hopefully good friends, would help prepare them for the next step in their life, the next phase, the next transition they go into. So, you know, you get to that point of, now what? Okay, Jesus has ascended with the disciples. These graduates have graduated from high school or college. And you're like, now what? Well, we can learn so much more from the disciples from this point forward of how they handled this transition period. The first thing is that Jesus has empowered you wherever you are. He's empowered you. He's given you what you need in order to to succeed. We see right before uh, Jesus ascends, in verse 8, it's one of the last things Jesus said while on the earth. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, kind of one of the last things that Jesus said to him was, you know, go. Get, gave him instructions, gave him homework. Not congratulations, not, not good job. He says, go. You, you got more work to do. See, there wasn't a, a ceremony where they got to walk across the stage, get handed a diploma that recognizes their experiences, recon, recognizes their accomplishments. They didn't get that because their work's not done. Their learning isn't done. What, what God has, and, and Jesus has prepared them to do all along doesn't stop. It didn't end. And so, so what, they, what they were given instead of, uh, you know, congratulations, kind of like you're done type of thing, it was, it was more of, of an instruction to go share what they have learned, to continue to learn, to continue to keep learning because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon them. It's going to empower them to spread the gospel in their everyday lives. That was the whole point of these three years or so of Jesus mentoring them and teaching them was to prepare them for this moment. Because you see, God puts us on the path that's needed for us to fulfill his work. 
if we let him, if, if, we, if, we, if we ask of it, he puts us on a path that is needed for us to fulfill his work. Wherever you are in life, no matter where you came from, you know, God, God continues to equip us equip us with the knowledge and the resources and the strength we need to, to carry on fulfilling his work. He, he, that's what he does. It doesn't stop. It never stops. It doesn't matter you come from one season of life into the next. That instruction to go is still there. To go. Spread the gospel. Continue learning. The Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and empower you. That's the focus we gotta keep on here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to get this, this strength. You're going to get this power. You're going to get what you need from God. You know, the, the, for graduates, the education and the experience they've had in school, help them, give them a good foundation, and give them a good start to what's coming next. But when it comes to our, 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 our instructions from God, when it comes from our relationships with him and growing in him, man, there's no graduating. It's a continual thing. It's a continual thing until we see him in heaven someday. And so it's all about everything we take, everything experience, everything that we learn, continue spreading that gospel, allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon us, giving us that power and that strength to spread the good news, no matter where we are. And, and we as followers of Jesus, you know, we, we know the importance of spreading the gospel. We know the importance of spreading that good news. And the challenging side of that is asking ourselves, but do we actually do anything about it? Do we actually do something with it? That's, I'm sure, goes through all the students' minds. Am I actually going to do anything with this math? Am I actually going to need to... Sorry, Tom. <laughs> yeah. And my wife's a history teacher too, right? I'm not saying, I'm just saying, you know that goes through students' mind. Are we actually going to, to do this stuff? Well, Yes, hopefully it's, a, it's a laying that groundwork, a foundation to help you for the future. Same thing with us with, with, with the word. The same thing we, we read from this is always continuing to help us in the next step, to empower us wherever we are. I'm, not, I'm just not that good at memorization. It, it empowers you. It helps you. I, I just, I don't have the voice. I don't have the correct speech. Neither did Moses but God equipped him, right? So many moments in the Bible where there's people who felt like, oh, I just, I'm not gonna be able to implement this or I'm not good at this, but God empowers them. The Holy Spirit empowers them, gives them what they need to carry on spreading that gospel. And, and so we actually have to look at that. And, and, and as these graduates, and maybe even some of us here that are walking in this new, fresh season of life, for these graduates, man, they're, they're going into something where they can be whatever they want to be, right? They have this opportunity as they're going to college or they're going out into the workforce or, or continuing on, some going in the military. They can be what they want them to be. They, they have the ability to shake off old generalizations and stereotypes that were formed about them. And they can create new and better things to be known by in the eyes of God. And so when I think of this, it makes me think of Timothy. That you know, Timothy was a great 
uh, follower of Jesus. Uh, uh, you know, Paul was a great mentor of his, just helped him and, and led him. But Timothy struggled with a naturally timid character, right? We know this, and we kind of, it's attached to him. It's uh, generalized to him. It's, it's, it's a stereotype we have of Timothy. He's got this naturally timid character, and he's strongly aware of his youthfulness, of his inexperience. He, he's aware of it. Uh, and so even today, if, if we come across anybody who has any of those same characteristics, oftentimes they're written off of not being able to handle or deserve much responsibility. They lack confidence. They, they're, you know, they're, just, they're, they're not able to handle too much responsibility. Oh, they're too inexperienced. A lot, we, we, we ride a lot of people off that way. And me personally, I really just resonate with Timothy. It's something I personally struggle with. And it's, it's something I know better, right? But it's one of those things that just ingrained in me when I was younger that, that it's just always hard to shake. Um, I've always struggled with, uh, you know, I don't know how, my, how I line up with Timothy as far as the level of how timid I am. You know, I know you gotta, I'm very confident in things. But I've always grown up just realizing that, that my inexperience, supposedly. And, and I actually had to stop and do the math because I realized I have been in my own head saying, thinking it wrong and even saying it wrong. But this year makes 16 years for my life in youth ministry. For any type of aspect that I've had in youth ministry, I've been doing it for 16 years. My experience in youth can drive a car by himself. Yeah, I, I had to put it in perspective. And, but, you know, I had, I had a, a great start from my small little home church, you know, pretty much right out of high school. I felt God's calling on my heart, you know, to be in ministry, to want to teach, to want to instruct, to want to help guide them. And, and so I was blessed with being able to kind of be locally ordained there at my church to be the youth pastor and, 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 to, and to take up that mantle and, and to, to lead the youth. And I was there for about four years before coming to Porterfield but I always struggled with, and I say this because I have a lot of my church family from back then over there. I won't point them out. But, but I, always point, I always got in the back of my head that, that so many people from there just saw me as little Adam. I was just little eight. This is my home church. I was there since eight years old. And they just saw me as little Adam. But here I am. I'm, I get deemed a youth pastor, and I'm taking on this big responsibility. You know, I wanna, I'm ready for it. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's next but I'm ready to do it, but then I'm afraid. I don't know if I'm actually getting, oh, that's just, he's just so cute. I'm just like, just on paper, the youth pastor, but not really doing, you know. It's just always in the back of my mind, very much like Timothy, being very aware of my youthfulness and my experience. Now, now I, don't get me wrong. I've had great opportunities given to me. Obviously, they, they saw something in me to actually deemed me the youth pastor there. So that was number one great opportunity. But ever since then, there are, have been great opportunities to show much responsibility for me. When I came here to Porterfield, it was a great opportunity for me to see how to, what a youth group looks like on a much larger scale than my little home church. And, you know, I, I get to come here and, 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 and get mentored under Eric, who had been in youth ministry for so many years prior to that. And and, and, and the thing about Eric is, man, he loves to challenge you. 
He loves to just give you opportunities. He loves to be able to find your strengths and what God has put in you and give you an opportunity to let that kind of muscle stretch. And that's terrifying. <laughs> when it comes to you, say, okay, camp's coming up. You, you're going to write out, you're going to get all the lessons for that, right? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that, that's what it was like for me. And so there's opportunity that somebody saw potential in me that is not, not going to be, you know, not going to just give in to that, oh, he's just inexperienced. I better just let him, you know, we'll, we'll baby him along, you know. He's too timid. He's not confident enough. No, that, that's, that's the type of leadership, of, of a challenging to, 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 here, I see potential in you. Let me give you an opportunity to shine. And then with, 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 with coming on and, and being more around the other leaders of the church and, and watch Pastor Mark who, you know, if you know Pastor Mark, you know his style. He, he, he's expressed this to us, uh, you know, multiple times that he, he's, you know, he just sees everybody in leadership and just sees what God's gift in this, the spiritual gifts in them. And he says, you know what? They got this. I, I trust them. I don't need to micromanage. I don't need to look over their shoulder. I don't need to, you know, he, he knows what's going on. We meet, we, we share everything that's going on. So he's not in the dark, but he just trusts. He knows Worship's taken care of. He knows kids' connections well taken care of. He knows all these things are taken care of. There's probably a lot of churches that, that around the world that the senior pastor just is God's hands in everything, micromanaging everything. And so I had the opportunity to see all these great leaders volunteer and pay to like, see how God's blessed them and, and lead in their ministries, lead in the areas that God has blessed them in. And to be it, being oh, so open and challenging and, 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 and like trusting to do that. So that's very this, much the same as what Paul saw with Timothy and did with Timothy. He saw potential in Timothy. He saw God working in him, saw a, a way for God to utilize him. And so Paul demonstrated his confidence in Timothy by giving him important responsibilities to kind of put him possibly out of his comfort zone despite his inexperience or his youthfulness. And he was sent on a lot of important, responsible missions on behalf of Paul, on behalf of God, to help and, and instruct and to teach and, and to guide people. And this was crucial for Timothy, right? It's crucial in his development. It's crucial for him to grow. And obviously, probably terrifying as well. So there's so much you can do. And just, just like Timothy and just like these graduates and just like us, we can choose to start being known as a person that lives out your faith. You can start anytime. Doesn't matter where you are, where you're from. You can start anytime being known as a person that lives out your faith. A person that freely shares the good news that changed your life. Because you're empowered. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter your inexperience. It doesn't matter if you're shy, you're timid. I had to break Becca's arm just to get her to pray up here, but she did it. <laughs> no, she volunteered, she volunteered. But see, giving these opportunities, it doesn't matter your, your, you know, if you have that Timothy-style characteristics. When you, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And of course, with these disciples, they were empowered. They, were, they knew that, that what, what was said in verse eight to go, they took that, that command seriously. They took that instruction seriously. They're like, man, we, we, we gotta do this. We, we have to, as followers of Christ, we need to take it seriously as well to go. And so when the disciples were graduating into the next season of their lives and in their ministries, they relied on prayer as a roadmap for all their decisions, which is still necessary for us today. So the second thing is that prayer is critical to discovering what's next. It's critical. It's a must. As we read earlier, you know, when the disciples were transfixed, transfixed on the sky and they were just staring up in there, watching Jesus ascend, Jesus left. They know he was going to return. They know he's coming back. But like, when, when would that be? What, 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 what now? I mean, what do we do until then? What, what's next? And we see in, in, in Acts 1, verse 12, it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So during the days between this ascension and until the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, Jesus' followers gathered together in that upstairs room and they prayed. They prayed while they waited. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. They didn't know what the next move should be. So, so what did they do? Well, let's get together, God. We gotta get together. We gotta get together. We gotta pray while we're waiting until we get figuring out what's coming to us what's, of what's next. Big question, big challenging question here. Is prayer your instinctive response to a lack of clarity? When you're confused, when you don't have clarity in your life, is your instinct to immediately go to prayer? Some of us, undoubtedly, yes. Some of us, well, maybe not at first. I get there, I do. It may take me a minute. I'm guilty too. Is your prayer, is prayer your instinctive response to a lack of clarity? Sometimes, oftentimes, Instead of praying when faced with a difficult choice, we stress about it, and then we choose an option ourselves. We choose the, the lesser of the two evils, or we choose what's convenient, or what's right immediately in front of us. Then what we do is we take what we've decided or to do, or what we want to, want to happen, and we pray those words to God, and asking for his blessing on it. what we're doing is we're looking for God to validate and bless choices that we've already made without him. And, and it, we're not gonna know when it happens sometimes. Sometimes it happens and we don't realize it. That instead of instinctively going to prayer and seeking a way, we kind of stress about it. We take the immediate thing what's in front of us of like, well, this is, the, this is, this is you know, I'm just gonna do this. And then we go to God and we say, this is what I'm doing, God, can you bless it? Okay, great. And then we, we, we go on. Prayer's critical in what's next, right? That's why these guys, they gathered. Everyone involved, they gathered together. And they spent time in prayer. They're in this transition. 
They don't need to rush it. They don't need to hurry, right? They're in this transition and they pray for God to seek. Maybe, Maybe what you want to happen is what God reveals to you. Maybe what you didn't want to happen is what God reveals to you that you got to do anyways. But see, this is what they did. They, they, in this time, they didn't look for God to validate and bless a choice they made without him. That's why prayer is critical that we include God in that decision. Because, you know, for me, discernment is like a, a constant prayer in my prayers. You know, I was constantly asking God for discernment or even what to wear this morning because I was so stressed. Not really, but you know. Discernment's big for me because I want to make sure that I do what God wants me. I want to be his hands and feet. I don't want to say, God, this is what I'm going to do. Can you bless it? Okay, awesome. No. I want my instinctive response to be go in prayer and see what he wants to do first, and then I'll carry it out. Disciples, you know, they didn't, they made sure their approach was different than what normal people would do. They, they took the season of transition as an opportunity for God to speak loudly into the what's next in their lives. They solely relied on him for instruction and direction. You know, we read in Isaiah 58, the context of this scripture is talking about fasting and things, but, but, but oftentimes we know like what the scriptures say is not even talking about something beyond something as physical as water. It says, the Lord will guide you continually. We know that. Giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. God's going to guide these students, these graduates. He's going to guide you continually through your life. Giving you the resource, giving you what you need to restore your strength and to face what's next. The disciples trusted God to guide them into what's next. So how do we trust God for his direction in our lives? How do our graduates know that they're on the right path that God wants, wants them to walk on? How do we know? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives us some very challenging words. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. To understand and discern what's next, we have to be able to kind of not cling to our life, not cling to the things of it that, that, that hinder us from, from making that next step. Man, I, I'm, I'm too shy, I'm too nervous to go share the gospel, I'm too timid to say things, or I, I, you know, I, I'm too inexperienced, I don't know what to do next, you know, I'd rather just pick the easy road, or I'd just rather just do something that causes less work on me, if I cling to all this, this stuff of my life, I'm, I'm going to lose things. I'm going to lose it. But man, if you give up your life for Jesus, surrender to him in prayer, surrender to him of what's next, man, you're going to find it. We got to seek Jesus with an open heart. We got to listen to him. We got to talk to him. We got to spend that time with him in this word. This is why disciples didn't just graduate, got the diploma. okay. I completed that book. Let's move on. No. We never complete this. We never fulfill everything in here completely. It's a continual thing, empowered us by the Holy Spirit, continually driving in us through prayer to help us make our next decision in our life. I don't think there's anybody in here who said, I faced all my challenges. I got nothing next. I'm good. Mm -mm. There's always something next. 
If, if, you're, if we're constantly looking for ways to align our lives with Jesus, we're going to remain on the path that he has for us. We're going to remain on that road that he has. And that journey is not always pretty. It's bumpy. It's, it's messy sometimes. You know, the disciples, they encountered some very harsh and brutal moments through this time. I mean, really, if you study and look at it, there's only like one who didn't die a martyr, didn't die because of, of them spreading the faith. So they had some pretty harsh moments. But see, God was faithfully right by their side the whole time, just as he is faithfully by the sides of our students and graduates, just like he's faithfully by your side now through whatever transition, next season of life you're about to face or have faced or will face. He's faithfully by your side. You know, Another part of the, the strength that these disciples had came from one another, right? They, they met together up in that upper room, right? Because they had the community of believers in this first century church. So that's the third thing is that you need a community of believers. You need that, that community because we can do way more together as a community than we can on our own. You know, Pastor Mark shared a little bit of scripture of this last week from Ephesians, talking about unity, talking about how to seek it and to gain that peace, that this is something that we must make every effort together to achieve, right? There's one body and one spirit. We gotta make every effort to bring that unity uh, of spirit through peace. And the first century church knew this as well. Acts chapter two, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, And to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people." And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. So to kind of set the stage for this passage, you know, after like 3,000 conversions at Pentecost, Jerusalem found themselves a strong fellowship of believers. You know, Jesus, you know, you know the flesh you know, being here on this earth, he hadn't really been gone for too much long, you know, up until this point. He hadn't been gone from earth very long. And so the majority of this group of believers, they were young in their faith. They were new. They, they didn't know as much as they would have liked to know about Jesus. You know, some of the disciples, you know, had firsthand, you know, that they really had intimate knowledge. But some of these young people, they didn't, they would, they would have liked to have known more, but they didn't. They truly wanted to know him better. They had that desire. They had that passion about living out their lives that would honor them, honor him. They wanted to make sure that everything they did in their life would bring glory and honor to, to Jesus and to God. They spent time together trying to, to learn more of Jesus through each other, which makes totally sense that if I exude, lead by example Jesus in my life and you do it and you do it and you do it, aren't we all gonna learn more about Jesus that way because we're all living out Jesus in our life? That's how they can know more. They spent that time with one another. They studied and prayed took communion, they worshiped together. Of course, they even put their money where their mouths were, right? They sold all their possessions, they kept the money, and they gave it out where it was needed, much like 
what our current church looks like today. We, we come together, we worship together, we take communion together, we, we sup together, we, we, we even combine our resources so that we can go help those that are in need. They even treated one person's problem like something the team was going to face and resolve together. It wasn't a, oh, that's, that's awful to hear, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. No, that one person's problem became, we're going to find, we're going to work this together, we're going to resolve it together. This is our issue. This is our problem. It wasn't just about coming together and all the good stuff. It was being a community even in when one person is, is, is suffering. That becomes our suffering. They knew the importance of community. The disciples were you know, they, they, they were thrust into this entirely new world when Jesus left. They learned, they looked to one another. They, they learned to lean on one another. And then they invited everyone they met to join them in the journey, right? They continued to invite everybody else. Hey, you know, come on this journey with us. We all know that we need to belong to a strong community of believers. And of course, these graduates, you know, they're going to go to these new places, they're going to go on to the next phase of life, wherever it may take them. But wherever they land, it's crucial, and we pray and hope that they find a place of worship to meet. They find a group of good, godly people that can bring into their inner circle and be their community wherever they are so they can learn and get that same support that we all know. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, we see the value of that community, right? Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'll be honest, probably a lot of us read a lot of that scripture this past year because it has to do with us drawing together and, and being in community, right? Let us not, you know, neglect meeting together. And it's been hard. But I don't think we've neglected it. We found ways to meet together. We found ways to be together. We still found ways that, that hey, oh, you're, you're struggling with something. Well, that's, we're going to do work together to find a way to resolve it. What do you need? What, what, do, you, what do you need? We, we motivated one another in acts of love. That's crucial. Motivate one. Not, not tear each other down, not neglect, not ignore, but motivate one another to acts of love and good works. We need one another. We need the, the people to encourage in their faith. And then we need those friends that are around us to encourage us and build up our faith as well. Because God didn't design us to go through this life alone. So we need to share Jesus, pray for God's direction, and then invest in the community of followers. I mean, it's invest. It's not just occasionally attend or occasionally be a part of or you know, just dabble here and there. It's invest. When you invest, you know that's a, that's a, that's a big word. It's a strong word. It means you're taking a big part. You're taking an important part of something of you or whatever, and you're putting it towards something that you strongly believe in. Are you investing in your community? Are you investing in, in the people that you surround yourself with? Because if you're on that path with God, 
God's gonna put those right people surrounding you, those good people to help guide you, to motivate one another, right? And we need to, we need to invest in that. So share Jesus, you know, and, and this is, is great advice for these graduates. But even more than that, it's a formula for all of us of how we can build a stronger walk with Jesus. As the praise band comes up, they're gonna play a song and, and, and just as, as we think about this, as we dwell and, and, and spend this moment of, of this, this song to just be able to, to let God help us be intentional. Uh, John Maxwell, he's a, a good uh, leader. He, a lot of leadership conferences I've seen him in, a lot of books that I've read on him. And, and he's really big on intentionality, Le- leading a life and living a life of intentionality where you're, you're intentional about things. Uh, he has a quote, it says, an unintentional life accepts everything and does nothing. An intentional life embraces only the things that will add to the mission of significance. So living a life of intentionality is you're only, t- you're only embracing the things that's going to help further and add to this mission of significance. Which another quote he has said, says, Jesus was very clear to say to us that we want to live an intentional life we have to know God and we have to know how he works in our lives. That's a pretty mission of significance right there. That if we want to have, if we live an intentional life, we have to know God. We need to be intentional about these things. We need to be intentional about entering in this transition, this phase of our life because there is a greater mission of significance that we're going for. And to help in that transition Remember that Jesus has empowered you wherever you are. The Holy Spirit is there for you to give you what you need, to continue giving you the resource, the wisdom, the guidance. We don't graduate from this. We don't stop from learning from God. It doesn't matter what your past education is or how well you did in school or how terrible you did in school. This is an ever-living word that continues to breathe in in our life. And we need to be intentional about it and know that it has power. It's powered us to be able to spread that gospel. And I, and I hope, and I hope this challenges you is to make sure that, that your instinctive response is, 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 is prayer when you're going through a struggle, when you're, when you're not sure what to do, when you lack that clarity. That prayer is critical to discovering what's next. And of course, maybe you already know this, but I hope it, it emboldens you more to know that you need a community of believers to be unified through peace, one body, one spirit, to motivate one another, not tear each other down, not, 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 not distract one another, but to motivate. That's what the community is because we continue to move through every transition in our lives whether it's these students going on to the next phase of their life or it's us as a church going to our next phase, which is so evident now more than ever. We know that the Holy Spirit is empowering us. We know that prayer has been critical during this transition and that we are a community of believers that motivate, encourage, uplift, own each other's problems and issues, resolve it together and move forward into into what's next together.
God, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for celebrating of these students and these graduates, Lord. And thank you so much for celebrating your life, Jesus, and what you continually do in ours. And so, God, I pray as we take this moment, we just we sing praises to you together as a community. We lift our hearts up to you. We lift our needs and our wants, and we come together as a community just, just praising your name this morning, God. As we do so, Lord, it, you will send that Holy Spirit upon us to empower us to know that we are ready for the next transition, the next phase of our life. We're ready for what's next. We're not lacking clarity. Our instinctive response right now is to pray to you. I just thank you so much for all you've done for us in the past, how you've gotten us to this point so far, Lord. It's just, it's just a miracle as it is, Lord. We just thank you so much for the blessings of this church, of its people, and what you continue to do. And that's never gonna stop, Lord. As long as our eyes are on you, as long as we are motivating each other, as long as we are seeking you prayerfully, and you continue to empower us, Lord, man, we can propel into whatever comes our way next. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray.